0: Well, Any put, critiques on the grilling skills?
1: Well, no, they were good. You put chips and salsa with hamburgers. That's an interesting touch.
0: Nobody goes to a picnic or a cookout and has chips and salsa and no, a hamburger? It's
2: fine. Johnny's still in my joke 15 seconds into the podcast. I didn't <laughs> see how this is going to go. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by schooloflaughs.com. com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, This is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show.
0: Welcome to the podcast. Rick Roberts here. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our Patreon supporters for uh, sponsoring the podcast. Shout out to Sandy Joy for being our Patreon supporter, and to the Clean Comedy Challenge. Don't forget, those dates are coming up soon, hard and fast. And if you want to get involved, you can go to cleancomedychallenge.com to find out more details about the locations and availability of spots. Always a good time from everybody that's ever taken the uh, Clean Comedy Challenge. I've got several good friends that have been through the process, and they all rave about it. So if you're thinking about doing something like that, jump on it right now. Hey, today I've got a little episode about uh, just some things that are going on in the comedy world. You know, if this was a daily podcast, I'd be ripping the UP and API wire right off the printer and uh, reading the stories of the day or going to Twitter and picking them up. But a few things have happened in the past few weeks that involve comedy a little bit more in the spotlight. Uh, The first thing being the White House Correspondents Dinner uh, with Michelle Wolf where uh, you know there was a lot of mixed reaction on how that went. And we just discuss, uh, did she do her job? Did the people hiring her do their job? Did the people who attend understand what comedy is and all points in between? Uh, comedy is definitely subjective. But uh, since I'm a comic, a lot of my friends, uh, people I know that don't do comedy were asking me what I thought, and uh, I share my opinion here in a little bit. Uh, Also talk about Netflix. My goodness, they're releasing about 75 comedy specials a day. Not sure if I can keep up with all of it. Not sure if I should keep up with all of it. Uh, Not sure if I'm only mad about it because I don't have a Netflix special. (laughs) But man, I'm curious of the long-reaching effects of putting out that many specials. And is it going to get so watered down like it did with cable TV back in the 80s and early 90s that people start tuning out and the quality starts going down because these... You know, live streaming platforms, these downloadable binge-worthy platforms like Netflix and whatnot—they uh, just need content. They need something for you to devour. And I wonder if the quality control is going to be there long-term with that. We talk about that in a minute, and then we talk about uh, staying close to comedy friends and overall just talking about the comedy brotherhood/sisterhood of of knowing other comics, knowing what they go through, and connecting with them even though you mainly have worked with them once or twice you have a lasting impression of that person and uh, comics seems like every two or three months now somebody passes away that i know and uh, we talk about that so uh, grab your seat belts grab your coffee sit back relax listen to johnny w brian bates and myself talk about those three topics and i'll talk to you more on the back end about some upcoming appearances where we can bump into each other Welcome to the podcast. Rick Roberts here today with Johnny W. and Brian Bates. How's it going, fellas? Terrific. Wonderful. Hey, thanks for coming by today. It's good to have you guys over. Uh, We're going to cover just a a few topics today, kind of a handful of just things that are kind of going on right now in the world of comedy. Uh, One topic we'll talk about will be the White House Correspondence Center, our different takes on that. I don't know about you guys, but I've had a lot of people ask me my take on it uh, that aren't comedians. Uh, We'll talk about the Proliferation of Netflix specials, good, bad, only bad because we don't have one of ourselves <laughs> <right>. yet.
1: Jealous. <laughs> Jealous.
0: <laughs> um, and, and what it's doing for comedy in general, who knows? And then we'll talk a little bit about the brotherhood of comedy. We've had a comedian pass away recently that we all crossed paths with at some point, but didn't know extremely well, but you still feel that connection mm-hmm. to comics you work with. I think out of the respect of the grind that goes with being a comedian. Uh, you know, I've said many times on the podcast, I respect anybody that does this for a living, even though I may not respect their act sometimes or how they are off stage with their family or whatever it might be, it but it
1: weird to get Bates on here and start bringing them <laughs> right in front of
0: them. But they say the first step to getting better is admission. So it's we're going right. to su- make it's him intervention.
1: submit. Brian, you Brian your <laughs> the re- affected his family in the following uh, way. The, the reason
0: you're here, my friend, uh, your show's fine. It's not that
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's off stage.
0: Uh, so I guess we'll start off, uh, with the White House Correspondents Dinner. This this may air quite a while after that, but I think people will still be talking about it for a while. And I know I've got asked about it uh, just f- from from all kinds, from religious friends, from non-religious friends, from mm-hmm. political friends, uh from but all from people who don't do comedy. Yeah. And pretty universally the the side I'm getting from them is that it was a complete failure, a complete uh didn't do the job they were asked to do didn't do what the people who hired her expected from them, uh, from her, all negative. I haven't heard a person that's not a comic going, hey, freedom of speech, uh, right. you know, she, <laughs> you get it, you give it back. So I'm going to start just with Johnny and I'll come back around and give you my take on it. What, what's, what was your feeling? First off, I guess, I assume you, you both watched or listened to yeah. it. Okay.
1: Yeah. And I saw a bunch of the quotes from it too. Like you'd see, uh, you know, and see tweets about it and people taking quotes in or out of context from it and just posting those up, which we know. And you put a show together, somebody can take one line out of your show and doesn't understand that maybe you really leading an audience to a dark place and then you all of a sudden throw this line in. But if you just took that one line, you'd be like, whoa.
0: Yeah, and maybe you're not happy
1: of, to be here. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think there was some of that. There was some of that. But I don't know. Like, I think I would probably look at it differently if I wasn't a comedian. I'm more likely to defend a comedian or free speech. But also I looked at like the history of those dinners and... There have been irreverent people. It's a thing. It's a way it's a it's part of what makes our government great in my mind is that you can get in there and lampoon our leaders and kind of uh, satirize them. Was she beyond the pale? Probably. I mean, I wouldn't have gone up and done some like I mean, it's one thing to be pro choice. It's another thing to be pro abortion. Like she had a joke that was literally pro abortion, like we should abort as many babies as we can kind of a joke. And you're like, wow, that's a really tasteless joke uh, (coughs) for the press corps. You know, it's like, okay. Uh, but at the same time, they, they, they vetted her properly. They know her show. They know she's incredibly left leaning. Uh, and I don't know. I think I have less of a problem with it. It, she said some things I wouldn't have said, but it's one of those things like I'll defend her right to say it. And they probably should have done their due diligence better. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What about you,
2: Bates? What'd you, I agree with a lot of what Johnny said. I watched it live. I was excited to to watch it and and um, you know I saw an interview with her before it aired talking about how it's a really tough room it's a huge giant ballroom and with huge ceilings and there's a lot of people there that uh, you know they're sitting around round tables yeah. it's, it's not a, obviously a not ideal comedy setup I I think she's really funny I don't know her personally but all the comedians I know that do know her really respect her and I think she's really funny however, and when I watched it, I just thought, boy, a lot of these jokes are either too far or just didn't land. The stuff about um, Trump is so broke and some of that, just I just didn't think it was very... Those were very funny. And then some of the other one I just thought was inappropriate. I think, I mean, in years past, the president uh, sits up there at the table. And everyone, just like the boss of a company, you look to that person to see if you can laugh or not. And when yeah. the president's laughing or the boss of a company is laughing, then everyone feels more relaxed to laugh. Yeah, And when you don't have that there, it just seems like it's a little bit more biting, yeah. a little bit more attacking. And then um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders up there, she really went after her. And uh, that just made it that much more awkward with her sitting right there, which yeah. I kind to think she's got to know, though, that maybe she's <laughs> going to be in some of those lines of attack. But at the same time, they know Michelle Wolf. And yeah, If they'd done any vetting, they would know. This probably isn't going to... The like. Sarah
1: Sanders stuff was the interesting part because you could always tell somebody's political leanings and, and not understanding the nuances of a joke. Cause like they said, well, yes, she attacked Sarah's appearance. And if you read the joke, it, she didn't, she said, I like how she can take all of Trump's lies and burn them down into an ash and make a smoke and use it to make a perfect smoky eye.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they said, Oh, she's making fun of Sarah. It's like, no, she's saying like you tell lies for a living every day. That was the part you should have either been offended by, but that that was the joke. So this idea that like, oh, a a woman is attacking another woman's appearance or they're fat shaming Sarah Huckabee or whatever they said. I just thought that's somebody not paying attention to the nuance of what she was saying. I agree with some of the jokes just didn't land. And some of it was mean spirited and it would have been way better had Trump attended. Because like you said, it's just it looks like you're a good sport. It's like when they say something to you on the Emmys. And there, you know, the guy comes out to the monologue and he says something about Tom Cruise. They always cut to Tom Cruise kind of smirking and laughing. And it makes everybody kind of breathe in. uh, Okay, all right. Tom Cruise gets it that he's, he's not got that big of an ego. He can laugh at himself. But when Trump just refuses to go two years in a row, which he has. Yeah. It just makes it look like you're just kicking somebody when they're not there. Yeah. 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 Yeah,
2: that's basically it.
0: Yeah, I thought, um. I've watched maybe the past three or four presidents sit at those things, and uh, of course Obama knew that he just got Bin Laden when he was on the last one. Right, yeah, right. And so he's sitting back there with an ace in his, up his sleeve, like I don't care what happens tonight. Tomorrow <laughs> we're going to tell him that I just went out there and
1: yeah, you know, probably part I of, him, of that. That's a great point. Could you
0: imagine being the president going? I just got the number one. No, I
2: don't think that's right though. I think they hadn't yeah. went in yet, had they? He either he knew the plan or he I he think he knew the he, plan, but I don't think it had been administered yet. So in a way, he should have been more nervous than ever.
0: I have uh-huh. to go back and look. I remember him talking yeah. about that, like he had the. I think they got
2: him. I'll have to check. All right. But either way, it was like it was get, it was getting really close. Okay. If it, they had. Yeah, got him. I, I, yeah. It was the next night he had announced it to the American people. But I thought they just knew it was about to happen. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, go ahead.
0: But then also, to uh, Obama at least, like the press loved him. Yeah, yeah. So like to attend that's like, hey, it's my party. You know, when Trump attended the last Obama one, I mean, they went after him pretty hard, and I'm pretty sure that's why he doesn't go now. It's like, they got me already. Right. Plus, I mean, I'm not a pro-Trump politic type guy at all, but if I was president, there'd be a lot of those things I wouldn't go to. Just because yeah. it's been a, a tradition, I would, you know— carve out more time for golfing or whatever I wanted to do. I would not be attending a lot of these of things. <laughs> well, they all have for sure. But at the same point, uh, you yeah, out of respect, you know, he should have probably shown up. Um, I think you could have got some big laughs if you'd empathize with Sarah Huckabee, because I can't think of a harder job in the mm-hmm, country yeah than having to go and, and be that buffer zone between right. the press and the tweets that happen every day.
1: That's true. If she'd said something on the, along the lines of like, that, kind of took a, an angle of the sisterhood of like, it's hard what you're doing. And yeah. as a woman I really respect that you go in and have to, whatever you're right. Well, even been. just as a
0: human, yeah. you know, and I think even the left, uh, you know, people, the left would have to laugh at that because yeah. they understand how hard that job is. And, you know, the press is doing their job, you know, most of the time. they do leak a lot of stuff out and make things harder. but they're doing their job to make sure that she's held accountable and they, they poke her as much as they can to get as much right. information. But I think she missed some opportunities for some last there. and the uh, the smoky eye joke, I think she Michelle Wolf loves the sound of that joke. It really isn't funny. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's not a big punchline. So right. she she has a, a, a strong look when she Yeah. It's not you know yeah. you can just tell sometimes when comics love the phrasing of a joke and. Yeah. You know this the room right. wasn't with me on that the smoky eye that's never gonna get a laugh anywhere.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. I don't care if your eyes on fire <laughs> and you say she has a smoky eye. Well yeah, you know. Yeah. So there were a lot of jokes that didn't land. Definitely a room that's we've all been in those banquet rooms mm-hmm. where it's spread out and the sound but even the sound clips that they played on NPR would go in and out of, like, frequency, and yeah. they weren't very solid. So uh, so that's part of it. But, yeah, I thought as a comedian, you know, she, she went in there and she did what she thought was funny. And really, it, we all have our different parameters of what we think we should do. You know, mine is always, you know, be true to myself and then do the job I'm hired to do. Uh, that's my... I'm always trying to make sure the client's happy. Now she didn't do that. She was true to herself, and she probably did some jokes that she had an agenda. She had her leftist agenda, and and, and even, but even with that in mind, some of the jokes didn't land in front of the ideal mm-hmm. target for those jokes. So maybe right.
1: Well, she knew it was being televised. I think she was speaking to the larger audience for sure, who thought she thought, well, I'm not going be to betray. I'm going to take this chance to roast Trump and this administration. Yeah. And uh, man, like you said, it. it It'd be easy for me to defend the free speech of it if it was like she just hit it out of the park. And she said things I wouldn't have said, but, man, she was funny. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with Bates. It's like some of it fell flat. And then I think it maybe even rattled her a little bit at some point. There was a couple times where I could see it affected her. You
0: know? And I think, too, and not to diminish her fame or whatever, but in the past, the ro- the roasters mm. have been somebody you kind of knew.
1: Yeah, Colbert did it. And-
0: yeah, and the last one.
2: Last year was another guy from The Daily Show who yeah. responded.
0: And so you had a little bit more familiarity.
2: But she's on The Daily Show.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. But,
2: but
0: again, that's not. a cable network that, you know,
1: right, right.
0: 40 and up's not Less watching The Daily
1: Show now that Stuart's gone too.
0: Yeah. So I think, I don't know, people maybe didn't know what to expect. Uh, my main tip would be not to inhale the helium before you go on stage. Because <laughs> that was the hardest part for me. And I know my voice doesn't resonate with a lot of people, but just that pitch, yeah. that's hard to listen to in any room. For, she can't help that. That's her voice. That's her voice, but you don't have to stay true to that. I would go get <laughs> would go get an operation.
2: Oh, I would take wow. a sucker punch in the, the gut. <laughs> no, just, all right, I'm gonna be moving on now. All right <laughs>
0: No, but you know she did she did what she was gonna do. I think her main thing and her agent's probably main angle is go be memorable and yeah. we'll, we'll we'll build she, off of this.
2: She trended well, she's TV. got a new so, show that's starting on Netflix right so, that's, so gonna help that's,
0: her. that's that probably was superseding. every thought was how do we make people talk about this afterwards. And she did that, so yeah. So mm-hmm. what am I, did she do a good job, Matt? She missed the point on some of it. Did she okay. do what she's hard to do? Yeah, sorta, of, but not all the way. Uh, but I did think she stayed true to herself for, for if that's good or not, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, but I would just think that that is an opportunity to have a huge impact and like be recognizable for some positive and some funny things. Yeah. But nobody, I don't know any jokes that anybody's quoting that they say were funny. They're just saying well, this one didn't land and that one's right kind of weird. That
1: one was really over the top. Yeah.
0: Funny is what you want to come away thinking about.
2: Yeah. There was, the, the I saw, <clears throat> watched some of the morning news shows the next morning. There's a lot they couldn't air because it was too dirty to air. Oh, there but, you go. But the one that they often shared, which was funny, it was one of the few kind of making fun of Hillary, was something about uh, it's amazing that the Trump administration was in uh, contact with Russia when Hillary wasn't even in contact with Michigan.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah. No, that was a good, strong joke.
2: She's like, it's a direct flight. Yeah. 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 That was funny. All
0: right, so we got one. Yeah. No, she probably had more, but like you say, a lot of it you can't hear. Can't, yeah. Can't repeat. Very good. So uh, moving on to our next topic today. Man, thanks to Brian Bates, I, I have access to Netflix. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> He's I'm a Patreon <laughs> supporter.
2: <There's> a- <laughs> he steals my Netflix.
1: <laughs> there's, a, there's a comedian out in New He lives in New York. His name's Clint Knorr. And he has a joke in his show and he says, does Netflix, Netflix should have a button forgot friends password.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. But he hooked me up, you know, I guess it was last November.
2: Uh, yeah, it's been a Sounds about right. Yeah.
0: And uh, so every once in a while i kind of click in there to see who's putting out specials and what's going on. And then boom, like in the past couple of months, everybody not only sees the dollars that were dropped on the big contracts, like the hundred million for Seinfeld and that kind of stuff. But also the the shorter ones they're putting out now, yeah. and they're and there are quite a few of them, and just pulling that feed up and trying to search through what comic. I realize, and maybe I'm a little bit out of the loop, but after like the first eight or nine, eight or nine household names, there's like thirty guys and gals I've never heard of in mm-hmm. my entire life, and good for them. But it just shows you, you know, how many people are getting these things.
1: If you're thinking about getting into comedy and you're listening to this, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, we would urge you. To give up, it's too. We're, we're full. We're all full up.
0: In fact, if I could advise you to do anything, it would be to start a door-to-door barbecue service where you show up at somebody's house, you work the grill, so the host can just hang out and get something other than chips and sauce on the <laughs> side. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's quite a bit. And to be honest, uh, here's the one thing, and I'll be curious what you guys think too. When you have access on Netflix to watch something, I find myself tapping out quicker and faster and more often than if I was going to sit down and make a night out of it watching it on TV where it's live or, you know, <laughs> it's airing live. Um, I've watched the last Chris Rock special, which I thought was halfway a money grab. I didn't feel like he put... Obviously, he didn't put as much work into that as some of the other great sure. ones that he did. The, yeah. the one in D.C. with the shiny suit, I think, is still the bar to set for any comic in the past 15, 20 years, but... Uh, very cathartic for him, and then after a certain point, I'm like, okay, I I can delete this and go to the next, watch yeah. something else. Uh, Brian Regan I like, but after like the first 20 of yeah, his last one, it. I'm like, huh?
1: Yeah, I didn't care for it. And Radio City was way better. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, I mean, he's done probably probably a p- perfect couple of hours of stand up comedy in his career. And that's the hard thing is he's got to follow man. He's got to follow walked on the moon. He's got to follow, right. Knight, you know, standing the, up and uh, the epitome of hyperbole. He's got, I mean, these are amazing specials. So I'm glad he's still creating, but yeah, they've, it felt like a, his felt like a money grab to me too.
0: Like, yeah. These, I mean, these
1: I, aren't done. These jokes aren't done.
0: When you had two or three years separation, like was kind of the, the normal for people back in the HBO showtime days. Then you took it on the road, you worked it up. And I realize these guys did that to a degree, but it wasn't for two or three years. It was for a
1: a year. And so I just feel... Louis ruined it. Louis ruined it for everybody. That's what uh, Andy Kendler always talks about when he'll do like Just for Laughs or whatever he'll talk about. Or Montreal, he'll say... He'll do this, this state he of the the state of the, state, state of the industry, yeah, and he'll he'll usually make fun of Louis for ruining comedy by saying, "Oh, comedy!
0: I thought you were talking about having girls on tour." Oh, with you. sure
1: of that, but no, he said <laughs> Louis ruined comedy five years ago when he said, "You throw away your hour every year and start over." And you know, nobody nobody was doing that before, really. A couple of people maybe, but Louis made a huge thing. Like, if you have ethics as a comedian, you have to do this. And he's like, now you have these specials, and they're full of jokes that need like six months of work, including Louis' specials.
0: including Louis' like, yeah. Especially the last couple, I felt <laughs> yeah. like you could have used some more time. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. were some jokes that were. I think bad open mic quality jokes. (laughs) I mean, there really weren't any punchlines. It was kind of graphic. And I
1: say that as somebody who's a fan of of his work. And I think he's, he's one of our generation's most amazing comedic minds, but yeah, you just go, this joke needed six more months, but he, Grab the
0: money. <laughs> yeah, and I can't blame him for that. I mean, I've got maybe three new minutes in the past 10 years or something like well, that's
1: that. That's good. That's a yeah, good that
0: year But you just say it differently, <laughs> and you pause you longer. You do a funny voice
1: with
2: it.
0: And you, you move it around. Those it's twins like,
2: are getting older.
0: It's kind of like a shell game. Like, oh, that was his close or nice? But or?
1: Kindler's thing in yeah. the state of the industry was he <laughs> said, uh, like, if you're, you know, you've been working on the cure for cancer, and you're 11 months in, you've almost found it. But I, he goes, but I threw away all the research. I'm just going to start over tomorrow, you know. Like, that's kind of how as he compared it to. There, I mean, I
2: follow stand-up comedy really close. The comedians, and there's still comedians on there. I don't even, I've never even heard of. Mm. Some of them are from other countries, but man, there are so many. And to your point, you know, they have the, the stand-ups, which is a group. They've done this a couple of times, a group of comedians. And because they research shows that, like you said, 30 minutes, half hour, more likely people will watch than an hour. It's just time-wise. Yeah,
1: when I was a kid, that... Uh... MTV's half-hour comedy hour,
2: mm-hmm, which the, was 22
0: minutes of comedy. 22
1: minutes of comedy is great. And even Comedy Central Presents were 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. So if you got your 30-minute Comedy Central Presents, it was 22 minutes. I remember the Brian Regan one in 1999. It blew my mind. I couldn't believe it.
2: Unless I'm on a plane, because t- there are so many, I tend to watch maybe the first five, ten minutes to kind of see the opening joke was about. And then sometimes I fast forward and see what their closer is. Because mm-hmm. there's just so many.
0: You know, I found some people that have
2: stayed longer than ten minutes mm-hmm.
0: watching and I don't blame the comics really at all, but I'm wondering if Netflix and all the different platforms like that are just cannibalizing comics because it's such a binge-watching type thing that people who love comedy will watch all these and they're, then they're done. They just need to have twenty more next month. Yeah. And will that make the live performance a more of an in-demand thing for people who aren't doing those specials? Like I'm, I don't like maybe. You, you're not gonna see too many guys holding out, not doing a special, but the the guys and gals that do maybe, and it's like two years since you've seen a full hour. And you can only go see it live, and they go on tour. That might be a, yeah. you know, a lot more work because you're doing the tour instead of just releasing a special, and making your twenty million or whatever these big names are getting. But
1: I wonder if it's the same effect on your show that we would see in the old days, where you'd see somebody do a set on the Tonight Show or whatever, and then you'd go, well, that's burned. I wonder if it's the same net effect with Netflix, where you go, well, I have my Netflix come out now, I have to turn this show over. Or if you can still go, because sometimes you know you know this. Sometimes you go to a show, you go do a show somewhere, and you're like, well, I better do this and this. I was here 18 months ago, and they get mad because you didn't do the hits. They yeah. wanted to, it's like it's like if Skinner didn't do Freebird. they get mad that you didn't do the Bonnie Five Bit or whatever. Right. You're like, well, I'm trying to work a new bit in. And they're like, no, that's you gotta. So it's hard to know how to. Well, I can it. only
2: speak for Nate, uh, but I mean the net, his Netflix special took him to a new level and he references a joke now in his set from the Netflix special when he asked the audience, are they familiar with it? The vast majority roars with approval. So They're there to see him because of the Netflix special. And what I like about what
0: he's done is he gives them the update.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah,
0: so they're They're like, well, a few things have happened since then. I got contacted by the guy who ran the alligator place, you know, and the crowd likes that, but he does that kind of towards the end, right?
2: Yeah, it's the very end. So he's giving them some
0: newer stuff up front and go, okay, if you haven't heard these bits, here's a little Mm -hmm. piece of it, and here's the update, Mm -hmm. which I think is is a good way to do it. And it's also a good way to figure out just audibly who's seen you and who hasn't without having to say, raise your hand, you know. People respond accordingly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. I I always am curious about the the behind the scenes of you know when you throw stuff away completely. When I worked clubs a lot, um, especially they'd want you to do your your bits that they were promoting because they'd be running them on the screen for the previous four weeks.
1: Oh, they want to make sure you did those.
0: But you've also anybody that saw those for the four weeks had saw the, the whole bit. Yeah,
1: comedy's about surprise.
0: So but you would get you people. Know? Yeah, like uh, you get people in the seats, Uh and when you do the bit, they're like, they're nodding. You're like, well, I got half the response I normally get, but I got people in the seats because of that bit. So it's like a trade-off on your ego.
1: Yeah, that's weird. Didn't you say you did a church way back in the day, and you got there, and everything was like not landing quite right? You're like, man, then come to find out they'd shown your whole DVD or whatever.
0: Yeah, they'd played the first five minutes. They had six weeks of lead-in, and so the first week, they showed like five or seven (laughs) minutes, and the next week, so they showed my (laughs) whole thing. And, uh, then I get there and they're like, Hey, that's <laughs> yeah, just what yeah, we watched.
1: That's, well, that's, you know, I have a person who advances my shows and that's part of what she does is she says four weeks out, play this clip, three weeks out, play this clip and it does it. And I know what those are so I can decide to either walk around those or not, or do them or not. But I usually choose not to do those cause I'm like, well, that got them here. But, but sometimes you're right. They want to hear the thing that got you, that got you there.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously we talked about that music. People want to hear the classics. Mm-hmm. comedy's different. You won't surprise. Unless you're a really big, act, famous name, and Andrew S. Clay, they want to hear some of those. You know, the guys we work with, Killer Bees, you know, he doesn't do Save Up anymore, but I think people want him to. Is it true now he does dino Might because Jimmy Walker's not using it?
1: <laughs> well, Hamburger! A, the patent just fell off of <laughs> <laughs> Hamburger! Here's yeah, another
2: example. Uh, Henry Cho, that I work with a lot, he... People often request him to do uh, what's that clicking noise Yeah, yeah. and JB and stuff like that. So, have
1: yeah, a special too. Yes. That's part yeah, of the it.
2: There's some bit. older comics that people, it was
1: interesting. Gaffigan did T-Pack, which is a big, you know, theater here in Tennessee, in Nashville where they do like big Broadway plays. So he was probably 2,500 seats or so. He sold it out. Big theater show. Put, to, new, put this new hour out there. This is right after Mr. Universe. So he was probably workshopping the next special. But when he came out at the end for like a, to take a bow, uh, second bow he just did hot pockets yeah he said everybody wants to hear hot pockets probably so I'm just because I've just had to relent I'm just gonna do it so yeah if you don't know this if you do know it great everybody cheered and Regan takes requests that, that's the only comedian I've ever seen do that uh and I yeah. you know I work with Tim Hawkins a lot who's in more church market comic but he has eight he has about 10 hours of material eight DVds full of material so yeah. his fans going back you know 20 years and I said, you could do this. You just have to relearn the bits, which yeah, Tim really does throw away a lot of material. He, he really does turn his show over really quickly. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I don't even know if it's about integrity of his show. I think it's just because he goes back to some of the same places every 18 months. So he feels that pressure to do it. But I think more than that, Tim's ADD and he just gets tired of it. He's like, oh, I did this for 18 months. I'm over it. Yeah whereas I'm like man I'm still crafting I feel differently a little bit you know but uh, he's somebody who I think could easily walk out and they could shout out a bit but I thought that was so cool when Regan did that yeah go do some bit that he did you know cup of dirt or do you know the one in the middle of the sun and all I mean he would do it
0: yeah the the donuts and all those pretty cool yeah I decline a lot of requests Um, people ask me get off stage (laughs) wrap it up Look at the lights.
1: You're like, that's not a bid I do. No, seriously. <laughs> You're the opener. Why are you still up there?
0: I declined so many requests from the audience. Uh, we it's want been our money a 25 back. Minute merch pitch. What in the world? <laughs> we want our money back. There's so many of them. That's a lot of requests. Uh, pay for our babysitter. This this is worse than we thought. You owe us money. I'm sorry. A lot of those things I just say no. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no is the most powerful word you can use in kind common. Of, I think
1: you're right. Because
0: <laughs> they come back again the next time still demanding those things.
1: <laughs> I still want my money back. You've leave created, them wanting more. you greater created more. a demand in the industry, and that's really yeah, yeah, interesting. demand that you stop. I
0: leave them wanting much more. That's yeah. right, like a full show. Yeah, I think yeah.
1: uh, Andy Kendler used to do this thing uh, where he would say, uh, when I started out, they said, uh, Andy Kendler is, is – uh, the Jewish answer to Mac Davis. And that answer is no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For some reason that reminded me, Joby said, I used to have an opening line. or was introduction was, and he was recently voted uh, the, tomorrow's biggest star. Please welcome Joby Stad. And he's walking on stage. He goes, yeah, tomorrow. Tonight, you're just going to get regular <laughs> old Jovi. <Joby>. Right. <laughs> <But laughs> come back tomorrow night. Stars of tomorrow. <laughs> Something like that. That was one that of my favorites.
1: The best opener for somebody who's not famous that I've ever heard was Claiborne's. And you just had Claiborne on the show, right? Mm-hmm. So when Claiborne gets introduced, he'll have them read this thing that says, This, next, this person coming to the stage uh, has been featured on uh, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, not once, not twice, but zero times. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. It's really great. Yeah. I love it. That's the best line ever for somebody with no credits to use as an intro. It's so funny.
2: Did you – I'm totally changing subjects here. But I just want to give credit to – did did you guys – you know, Amy Schumer hosted Saturday Night Live. Yeah. At the time of this – we're taping this this past Saturday. And I don't know if you guys heard the controversy where she ran her monologue – she, she jumped on stage somewhere, is what I heard. She jumped on stage at uh, Caroline's. There was a, it's Tuesday night, I believe, and a, a guy doing a stand-up headlining set, which is it, it's a comedian who's not normally gets a chance to do a stand-up set. And I think he was just a little bit into a set, and he hears a voice off stage, and it's her, and she's asking, can I come up and and do my line So he gets off stage, she goes up and does it, and then he comes back up. And so there's some controversy. Did you hear about this, Johnny? No. And, and you know, people some people criticizing her or whatever for it and, but I'll give him full credit for how he handled it which is the proper way I don't know how he really felt but publicly said this is the best thing that could ever happened to me because nobody would have been talking about my Caroline set and now everybody is and he's like I'm perfectly fine with what she did um, you know I get it and, and uh, so I have no problem with it and she was very nice now she knows my name which she didn't before and stuff like that so uh, I just thought boy that's a Proper way to handle it for someone who's, you know, could have gotten mad and probably went with the masses like how dare she, but but I thought he handled it
1: correctly. He probably knows there's a packing order, that's the game, but I mean... But,
2: But a lot of people's egos get in the way, yeah, and they're like, how dare she?
1: You ever been bumped like that, Rick, when you were doing clubs?
2: Uh,
0: usually just by the manager uh, we've had some more complaints coming back we noticed a lot of silence we, we thought the microphone like, was oh, out is somebody
1: here that's uh, that's famous no no we just need <laughs> yeah. you
0: to stop yeah we got the uh, a lot of times just the guy in the kitchen he wants to do a set <laughs>
1: like
0: <laughs> we see he's struggling he's
1: got some he just put the burgers on and he wants to do a quick
0: set yeah so he's got about eight minutes yeah. and I'm like of material no eight minutes before he's got to no, flip no, the burger no, no, no. <laughs> and so I usually give it to him because I'm hungry that's, yeah, and that's my burger certainly. I shouldn't have ordered it right have before we hit the stage it, yeah. it's awkward to eat it while You're on stage, uh, the burger, not just the comedy. So there's uh, no, I can't think of a time, you know, I've probably said multiple times on the podcast where I've had to stretch for headliners who didn't show up on time. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, And I haven't probably said it in a while, but the Tommy Chong was one. Do you remember that story? Tommy Chong was
1: late. I don't believe it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'll say it again just real quick and then we'll jump into our last little part today. Um, But yeah, I was Detroit, Michigan, when, uh, what was the name of the club? Chaplains. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was like, First night of the week, Wednesday or Thursday or whatever it started, and I'm middling, and uh, as I get ready to go on stage, the the manager of the club goes, you know, Tommy's not here yet, but he should be. If he's not here, we'll send somebody up with a note to let you know to stretch a little bit. It's my first time at the club, and I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, he'll be here. And so I do whatever bit I was closing on at the time, and uh, right as I'm hitting the last line, they put a note on stage, not here yet, do another 20 I'm like, okay. I said, just so you guys know, uh, Tommy's got stuck in traffic or whatever. He'll be here in a few minutes. And so I do like 10 minutes of material, 10 minutes of kind of improv stuff, you know, some games that I had from the improv group. And then I get another note, still haven't heard from Tommy, do another 30. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so I I said I sent the door guy out to my I gave him my keys. He went out and got my guitar because I'd never had it with me. I wasn't going to play that week because I was featuring. Yeah. But I was going to practice, you know, it's still in the car. So I said, go grab the guitar. So he went and got it, brought it in, spent a couple minutes kind of tuning it up, telling jokes. And the crowd's getting a little antsy, Yeah. but a lot of them have forgot about it, too, because they're smoking pot. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> who, who are we here to see? They're all high, <laughs> too.
2: Yeah.
0: And, uh, and so that was the first night I did that thing that uh, every country song has one of these things. Right, right. It had been sitting in a notebook for like a month, but I was literally looking at my notebook and what else oh, can I Oh, it made do?
1: you do it. Yeah, that's pretty interesting.
0: And so, and it crushed that night after all that stress, an hour into a feature act, you know, then Tommy finally shows up. And uh, the manager after the next day is like, hey, uh, you're on our short list for headliners if we have a fallout or something. We didn't know you could do an hour. I'm like, mm. I, I didn't know either. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's really cool.
0: But sometimes it's a blessing in disguise. But it was, you know, just the right crowd. They were kind of patient, tolerant, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see where if it was another act where they're maybe less out of it and more in, you know, demanding, they could have got restless.
2: I've had that happen to me where. Two man show, and I'll come out and say, Hey, so and so's here. Give it that's like my opening thing when he's not really there, Uh, and then later on, he's not there when it's time for me to get off. So I'm like, Well, I can't tell him that because I've already told him to give it up for him in the green room.
1: He saw me acting left, he can't follow this. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I think there's been times like that, though, where uh, to your point, Rick, about how like the situation caused you to stretch yourself. Like, that's definitely true of me. Like, I don't like I do a lot of conferences and things where they'll. They don't really understand how to use comedy yet, but they'll be like, well, we've got three days and we want you to do comedy in these 10 minute bursts over the three days. And you're like, that's not really how it works because it's going be, to have to have beginning middle end and all of these.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, but I would never sit down in my living room when I was starting doing comedy and be like, how can I have seven great 10 minute sets? But when you get asked to do it and you take the check, And then you start having to prepare for it. You're like, I got to have seven, 10 minute sets and it makes you do it. And now I have those. Yeah. So it's like, uh, but I never would sit down. I need to divide into these chunks. You just, I mean, everybody wants to get a good 10 minute spot for TV or whatever when you start, but. To have that many in a row, like you would never set it right in this it's, Being stretched like that has been beneficial to me, but I never would have. I sought it out on my own.
0: Yeah. That's what happened when I did cruise ships the first time. Oh, yeah. Because you had the multiple shows. I mean, you do the, the welcome aboard show where you're doing seven minutes and you got to be stronger or else they don't come back on right. Wednesday to see your full hour. Auditioning. <laughs> and then you got a good night, see you later. Sometimes you have a late night, midnight uh, raunchy show, which I had to turn that down. But I still got the gig. Really? Yeah, Norwegian. They're like, we, we want to do a midnight. all No, everything goes. No holds barred. Yeah. And I said, well, I don't have that. I said, I will not do that. So if that's the deal breaker, I'm sorry. But what I do have is, if you want, I can bring my Barney Fife uniform and just stroll around the deck for a couple of hours Wednesday night, greet people, have some fun with them. And you know, I'll do that for two or three hours instead of the one-hour dirty show. And they're like, if you do that, can we put you as a, a judge on our – you know, dating game or whatever, our right. newlywed game. So they like, oh, I can see how we could work this in there. But I wasn't going to like.
1: Did you have to do dating game questions to ask Mario? Gentlemen, what is your favorite place to make whooping? <laughs> Did you have to do like
0: that? No, I was, was just movie. a judge. So they, okay, they would say, you know, which one do you think? <laughs> well, I don't know. Number three seems a little bit like they're holding back. I don't think they're really a couple. I think they're just on here for the free bottle of champagne, you know. <laughs> but, um. <laughs> so that, but that was the way I could stretch and do what I Right. yeah you know, stay stay true to my what my core beliefs are and all that without. That's cool. And yeah, can you uh, you give me their number. Yeah, you could have done the late that. show.
2: yeah. <laughs> are you a comic who wants to take your comedy to the next level? Sometimes you need a little help, and that's where the clean comedy challenge comes into play. This is Leslie Norris Townsend, and I'm the creator and producer of this challenging event. This year we have three different locations, each with a cash prize. Two of the three are full blown three day events with seminars, critiques, and performances in a real comedy club. Past attendees include Johnny W., Charlene May, Andy Madango, Marty Simpson, and Mike Paramar, all who are now full time comedians. So if you're ready to take advice from the pros and perform in a real comedy club, go to cleancomedychallenge.com. It's not where you start, it's where you finish. And don't forget to mention Rick Roberts' School of Laughs so I know where you came from.
0: Well, uh, the last thing I want to just kind of touch on is uh, the brotherhood of comedy, the sisterhood, if you're listening to your lady. Just the, the camaraderie and the the unspoken, unwritten bonds you have with the comic that maybe you only worked with once. I mean, sometimes you even feel like you have a connection with comics you've never seen live, but you've mm-hmm. seen so much of their stuff you can yeah. t- totally relate to their point of view. But specifically today... Uh, when you've worked with somebody, haven't seen him in ten or fifteen years. I think my case, it must have been fourteen years or so, or thirteen. Uh, but you know, Spanky Brown just passed away this past week, and you know, a lot of people, you know, he was on the road so much that almost every comic that I worked with worked with him at some point, and you yeah. two included. It sounds like mm-hmm. so. Um, what was your memory of, of Spanky, and and just your thoughts on what it's like when you hear somebody that you. You liked, you had good memories of just passed away and you hadn't spoken to him in forever. Yeah, and
1: I think the brother, you talk about that like even when I was having my dissertation on Michelle Wolf, like I, I kind of there's a tinge of that where you just go, Well, this is a working comic. I'm right. more likely to side with her than some crowd. Right. Just because I know what it's like to prepare and to go in and know it's gonna be hostile or whatever. And when you've been to war with somebody like that, you just kinda of go, Well, I'm gonna to listen to her part of it, you know. Dave Chappelle even had a thing where he was he was kind of a joke, but he said, uh I realize I identify more as a comedian than even as a black man. When I watched Michael Richards do his famous rant at the Laugh factor, where he said the N word sixty times in a row, he said, "Because I was sitting at home and I was thinking, you can get him back, Kramer." I, love Kramer.
2: <laughs>
1: just, I think I identify more as a comedian than a black man. It's such a funny, it's such a funny true thing. And to that point, like spank you, somebody who's like larger than life, uh, just a big teddy bear, and everybody kind of has a story where he. Gave them a, you know, uh, I was sharing a story online about uh, he let them stay at this ha- house because the comedy condo was full or whatever. And he said, park down the street because you won't have to pay. The little things like that that comedians are like, it saves your life mm-hmm. because you're just like, this is everything. I mean, I'm barely making 30 bucks tonight or 40 bucks. Like, you saved me. And there's a million stories like that about this dude. I just remember how in control he was and how likable he was on stage. Uh, I was telling you guys before, but. The line I always remember him using that I've used more than once in a, in a small room. It's just kind of an icebreaker line. But if you're in a room and it's a very underattended show and it's kind of like, oh boy, this room holds 100. Only 30 people came. I don't know what I'm going to do. He went up one night and I was with him and he said, guys, look, we're going to have a good time. I'm under no obligation because of the size of this crowd to have a good show <laughs> yeah. because y'all aren't enough people to start a rumor. <laughs> and i thought, what a funny line. And then immediately put the crowd at ease and he crushed and those 30 people always remember that show probably. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I just, I love that about him. And I think he was just a tender hearted guy. He cared about people. Yeah. Uh, so I don't remember a ton of his jokes. I remember him as a person. So I think that's a good legacy.
2: Yeah. You work with him, Brian? I didn't actually. I met him once at Side splitters Knox when He was very nice, but I uh, never worked with him. And i uh, always heard great things about him. And, you know, kind of, uh, certainly, but I've certainly to your point, lost, good close friends, comedian friends that, uh, in the business and to your point, there's comedians I've never met, but you still feel that kindred spirit. Um, not that you wouldn't feel that for any, anyone that passes away suddenly, but there's always a, you know, there's a brotherhood like you talked about. Yeah. I think one thing
0: I just kind of thought about as we're discussing this is when you even spend a little time in the bar area or the green room with yeah. a comic. there's not really a lot of small talk. it's long talk. It's like how's it going right and like within minutes, if not seconds, you get down to how things are really going in that person's life. Yeah. Comics are pretty open to other comics about that where they might not be that way with the staff or the management or whatever, but they'll uh man, it's not going that good. if you got any gigs, hook me up or right. you know, and so you kind of know somebody deeper, quicker, yeah. When you're in that kind of situation with them, whereas if you didn't, if you just watched the show or saw him on TV, you wouldn't know those things. And whereas your some of your casual friends, you never get into a deep conversation right. with. I mean, it's, it's always just real surface. Everybody's putting on, hey, everything's great, you know. But comics pretty much let you yeah, know.
2: We don't do small talk much. Air it out on stage and in the green room.
0: Yeah, and then and you also, especially if you know the comic or at least have seen him, you know, I usually start off with the referencing a bit that I love. Like, man, I just saw the, whatever bit you right. did. And I've been trying to write a bit about that for 20 years. And you just, you summed it up so yeah. perfectly. And I, re, you know, I really respect that. And, Cause I always, there's regardless of the comment, whether Michelle Wolf or Spanky or you two guys, there's always jokes where I, I respect that. and I know you've been working on it and I yeah. see the craft behind it. And, and it's, it's important, I think for us to say those things in the moment and tell people we respect them. We enjoy what they're doing. Yeah. Give them a little pat on the back on the way out so that if it is the last time you're going to see somebody. Yeah. I mean especially when you get to if you're only headlining, you're not working with the headliners anymore. You might be at a showcase or a festival audition or some yeah. kind of taping and that's those are treats because you get to bump into those people and yeah. like catch up and that can be a span of 10 or 15 longer, you know. Yeah. I think feature acts have it really good where you're seeing the new people come in. Right. You're and you're getting to work still you might headline some, but you're working with headliners that you can get to know with for a week at a time mm-hmm. or at least a weekend at a time the way clubs are booked now. Yeah, it is interesting. I just think you got to take time when we're traveling around to let people know. And also just touch base once in a while yeah. with comics. You know, it's, it's something I should probably do more often if it's just reach out. Hey, how's it going? Sometimes you don't want to prepare yourself for the answer and oh boy, <laughs> what did I get myself into? <laughs> right. But what if you don't ask out and then all of a sudden, boom, they're not there anymore. Yeah. You know, and it, a lot of times, unfortunately with comics, it's, it's health issues because we're eating wrong, uh, heart attacks a mm-hmm. lot, you know, Tim Wilson, that was one that hit me pretty hard. Cause I worked with him, man, over the years, probably 25 weeks, not mm-hmm. even exaggerating and got to know him pretty well. And always look forward to seeing what I would love to see his take right now. Yeah on the government, on mm-hmm. um, where we're at, millennials. I, he, he could have a two-hour millennial bit. Yeah. You know, he was that prolific and yep. that, his point of view was so centered in him that he could take things, he could take things he didn't believe in and make you think he did, mm-hmm. obviously, with with how strong his writing was. But that was another guy where, you know, always said, enjoyed working with you, probably never slapped him on the back, gave him a hug or anything like that. Right. You know, he wasn't exactly a huggy kind of guy, but <laughs> but just like a, a huge presence that you'll miss. Yeah. And it's, you got really... I always say too, you know, grab a picture of somebody backstage, so you have those memories too. I wish I'd have done that from the very beginning.
1: Yeah, first comedy show I ever went to, I was probably 21 or 22, and I saw Richard Jenny and Kevin Meaney co-headline the Tennessee Theater in Knoxville. They each did 45. Richard Jenny closed, and uh, I couldn't. I mean, I grew up watching Richard Jenny, but I mean, I mean, I think he he killed himself probably five years after that.
0: I think so. the year after he got comedian of the year because he was like, yeah, that was. Was that early two thousand? But it 2000s? Be hard because
1: I was like that guy was part of my childhood. I mean, I felt like I was losing a childhood friend.
0: Yeah. Did you, did you ever see Richard Jenny?
1: I didn't. Not lying. Oh, man, I
0: don't so know if it's online on YouTube somewhere, but his. So every comic had an OJ bit, you know. There's, there's just yeah. there were certain things. He had an OJ special basically. It had to be forty minutes on OJ, and if that's online anywhere, every comic listening to you should you should just Google that, find it and you think Seinfeld turns the Rubik's cube around on an angle, yeah. try 40 minutes right. on OJ. That was all fresh. It wasn't any of the stuff any of the other comics were doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he turned the stage into a courtroom. I remember the one part that I was impressed with, uh, just a little minor thing, but you know, he took the microphone off the stand, put the stand over here for a while. Then he took his suit jacket off and put it on the stand and made that a defendant in the case. So like he had somebody else on stage <laughs> to great. talk to.
2: Yeah, that's great. Like,
0: it was just a lot that's of theatrical clever. touches. Um, mm-hmm but a guy who was exhausted every possible yeah. angle, and was very physical, acted things out, did voices. I mean, he, he was really a total package. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a sitcom, the Platypus Man, for a short while. It was like, right. on the WB or something, or UPN, or whatever those stations were back then. But uh, just another great comic who, obviously, you could even... Announced out loud. I'm going through a lot of problems right. and sometimes we push back from helping those people out We probably should lean in a little bit more. Yeah. so it doesn't get to be the problem
2: right. Well, you uh pay tribute to Tim Wilson in your act you do a voice
0: I've got one voice, voice in the drive-thru where I, I do a little tip of the hat to Tim Where uh, So I knew to need needed glasses when I'd pull up to a drive-thru and I couldn't read what was on the screen So I just ordered what I thought they had I'm like I'll take a double cheeseburger some onion rings and a coke She's like, "Sir, we can't do that here. This is Bank of America." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm in the wrong drive-through for sure.
1: Yeah, I never knew that. That's funny. Yeah,
0: that's just straight. At, just like a, a shout out to him every single show. Yeah, and uh, but he used, to, you know. Yeah. But that voice, ma'am. <laughs> I tell you, who does a good one is um, Tommy Blaze. He probably does the best oh, Tim Wilson yeah. impression. He used to call. What Tommy told me, he used to call Krista Pet and leave messages as Tim Wilson <laughs> and confuse <laughs>
2: each other. And you believe him?
0: <laughs> I think so. Anyway, so I guess the bottom line, you know, uh, just make sure you connect with your buddies. Don't let them go too far without uh, touching base. And you don't have to think too hard about the legacy you're leaving, but it's not a bad idea to always have that in the back of the mind. Make sure you're making an impact on somebody else while you're out there. So when you do pass, there's good things. Luckily, mm-hmm. the unfortunately, the good guys are passing, but we're hearing good things about them on the other side of it. So that's going to wrap it up this time on the school of last podcast. Thanks, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. You can always find out more about Johnny W at
1: Johnnyw.com
2: And he's on Twitter at
1: Johnny underscore W.
2: And you can find out more about Brian at Brian Uh, Twitter's Brian Bates comic. Very good. Thanks guys.
0: You bet. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Always good to hang out with Johnny W. And Brian Bates. Uh, you've heard them often on here because they're buds of mine and they live close by. And we, uh, we try to get together at least once every couple of months, it seems like, if, if not a little bit more often than that, grab a bite to eat and uh, enjoy each other's company. So that was great. Thanks for listening to that. Uh, don't forget the Clean Comedy Challenge is right around the corner. You want to get involved with that, cleancomedychallenge.com. And uh, what else can I tell you? The Christian Comedy Association Conference is right up on us. If you're listening to this on release date, Friday, June 1st, then you have a couple of days left before we start. We start on June 3rd, and even if you're not attending the conference, you can attend one of the best Christian comedy shows you'll see all year long. It happens at Oasis Church, and that church is located just south of Nashville, just barely south of of the uh, Bell Road, Old Hickory Boulevard, intersection of Nolensville Road, down in Lenox Village. Show starts at 7 Tickets are $15. You'll see 11 different comics, some uh, heavy hitters going on the show that night, including Darren Streblo, Bob Smiley, Jason Earls, Allison Moore, Lisa Mills, Kristen Weber. Uh, I'm leaving off a few because I don't have the information right in front of me, but it's going to be a killer show. You want to check that out. And then if you are interested in pursuing comedy through the lens of a Christian, uh, we have sessions on Monday and Tuesday, non-stop sessions, nine to five, breakouts, keynotes, guest speakers, and then also another comedy show Monday night at Oasis Church. That will be more of a pro-am where you'll see some of our best, but also some of our newest and brightest comedians doing their thing. Tickets for that show, only $5. And that's Monday night at Oasis Church, same start time, 7 p.m. So check that out. Hopefully I'll see you out there at one of those shows, at the conference in general, or just down the road. I'll be at Huckabee uh, doing my thing again on uh, actually tonight, June 1st, and then on the 8th of uh, June as well. And those shows start at, well, at least 6.30. They want you over there. The shows start about 7 o'clock, and I'm usually on in the first half hour. So that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. Uh, give a shout-out. Send an email. Make a phone call to one of your comedy buddies. Let them know you're thinking about them, seeing how they're doing. And stay in touch with those folks. Because uh, if you don't, you might wake up one day, and they may not. Stay safe, stay cool, and stay
2: funny. For listening to the school of laughs podcast if you'd like to hear more school of Laughs podcast you can find them on itunes and stitcher.com and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for information on upcoming live and online classes visit school of until next time stay tuned stay focused and stay funny